He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one more time. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. As he, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Wednesday drive. WSJS News Talk Sports. Where the NBA draft has snuck up on us, WD. It is tomorrow night. And every year without fail, there's at least one guy who was projected all along being a top 10 pick, who doesn't end up being a top 10 pick, and years later, we're all left scratching our head, um, how is that guy not a top 10 pick? <laughs> Last year, it was Shingoon to Houston. The year before that, Tyrese Halliburton. Tyler Hero comes to mind. Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker. Boy, are there a lot of Kentucky Wildcats that check this box. I can go on forever. I think the 2022 version of this, the lottery faller, is going to be Duke's A.J. Griffin. Not because I don't think he'll be a good pro. I'm a fan of his. But I think there's enough there to scare teams off from picking him in the top 10. Reason number one being injuries. Whether you're talking about the NFL or the NBA, the more I talk to people who are in those rooms, war rooms, executives who are making draft picks, scouts, the more I hear just how important injuries are in the evaluation of players. You'd think they're important, but I'm here to tell you they're even more important. They're even more detailed and factored as you might be thinking on the top of your head. So when I look at A.J. Griffin, who missed his junior season and his high school season in high school, due to injury both years and had a knee injury at the start of this past basketball season and had a scary blow at the end of the Michigan State game in the round of 32, yeah, I think teams are going to have some concerns. Rightfully so. Enough where I don't think a team picking five through eight is going to take that shot. We know what the very top looks like. His teammate Paulo Boncaro going to be a top three pick. Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith from Auburn, Jaden Ivey from Purdue. That's the top four. But then there's a group of six or seven guys, it feels like. You would not be stunned or taken fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way through to where the Charlotte Hornets pick at around 13. We'll talk more about the Hornets in just a little bit. A.J. Griffin's in that group, but I think because of the injury concerns, He's going to get bumped back. Another concerning thing, one thing I look at quite a bit when you talk about a top 10 pick. When you're on the floor, is there ever a point where I forget you're out there? Let me say that again. When you're out on the floor, can't do you ever disappear? An issue I had with AJ, his season at Duke, he disappeared quite a bit in big games. The WD is a huge Carolina fan. He's wearing a Tyler Zeller t-shirt today. The last two times Duke played Carolina, the two biggest games of the year for A.J. Griffin. He was a no-show. Coach K's last game at Cameron. He had five points on five shots. Yeesh. The final four. 
One for seven, six points, no made threes. Those are the two biggest games of the year. And you might be thinking in your head, Josh, come on, you're cherry picking here. North Carolina, maybe it's just a bad matchup for A.J. Griffin. I might say that's true. If it wasn't for him the first time he played the Tar Heels, dropping a career-high 27. <laughs> so don't give me bad matchup. For a guy who's supposed to be a top 10 pick, I should never be looking at you thinking, well, wait, I didn't know he was out even out on the floor. This, guy, this guy's not impacting the game the way you'd want him to. In the NBA, it's starting to become a lot more like baseball where it's a developmental draft and these guys are very unfinished products so you could over-criticize and nobody is a flawless prospect that you find year to year. But another thing that I think is going to hurt AJ is his defense. I didn't realize it was as bad as it was until I looked back at some of the games this past season, but I don't think it was because of lack of effort. That's a big thing. Usually if you got a good frame and you try defensively, that's good enough for me. He was pretty confused. The defense, it was a problem. You wouldn't think he was that bad with this build. But when you collect all of this together, all of this data, all of this info, I think that's enough for teams who maybe weren't at his games watching it day to day, who saw him at his best, to become skeptical and to pass. So I don't think he's going to be in the top 10. And somebody's going to benefit. Because the high-end A.J. Griffin... He could easily become the second best guy on a good team. He could become Chris Middleton one day. He could be an all-star. And this is Duke assistant coach Chris Carrowell making the case for why A.J. Griffin is going to be a great pro. Always take the pro kid. It's, it's in the genes, man. Take the pro kid. If it's a college, if, you, if your dad played in the NBA and we recruiting a kid, take him. Because at least at the worst case scenario, you're going to be a thousand point score, right? You're going to have them in your program for four years, going to be a thousand points. So at the best, you're going to get the AJ Griffins, the Seth Curry's, you know, like you're going to get, I'm telling you, Dunleavy's. These guys are hard workers, man, low maintenance, uh, high basketball IQ. So AJ, man, and, and he, he did all this with missing a year and a half in high school. His dad, Adrian Griffin, of course. Your thoughts, welcome on the show at WSJS Radio. We've got such a big show today. A lot of football to get to. Rich Eisen, who you know from NFL Network and our new evening show here, The Rich Eisen Show, he'll join us at 3.30. Make sure you're around for that. Also, ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet gave his opinion on who he feels the best quarterback in the ACC is currently. And spoiler alert, it's some guys that we've gotten to know very well around here the last few years. Between, for me... Leary and Hartman, if it just okay. as we sit here right now. Um, and I think it has more to do with the the known commodities of the system, who's calling the plays. You know, with Van Dyke, he's gonna have to adjust to a new coaching staff. And and I, he still could have a monster year, but I think as we sit here in the summer, I would I would lean towards Hartman and Leary. And I think both those teams have a chance to have great years. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, Devin Leary. From NC State, that sound from Gramlich and Matt Klain, a great ACC show, one half of it. Kelly Gramlich going to be our guest at 4.30 today. Like I said, a lot of football we're getting to. I'm going to spoil my pick now for ACC preseason player of the year. 
The guy I think is going to win player of the year is Sam Hartman. I'm going to side with him over Devin Leary. Even though I, I'm with Herbie that those are the two guys that stand out. And that's not a minor statement. There are a lot of quarterbacks to choose from. No league, I think, is as loaded at the position than the ACC is currently. When you talk about Brendan Armstrong at Virginia and Leary and Hartman and uh, Slovis, who transfers from USC to Pittsburgh to replace Kenny Pickett, and Malik Cunningham at Louisville, and uh, DJ Uwe Ungalale at Clemson, and Tyler Van Dyke, who Herbie was talking about, emerged towards the end of last year, Phil Dracovic from BC. But if we're going process of elimination, uh, Slovis is losing his offensive coordinator and the Blitnikoff winner, Jordan Addison. By the way, Will, did you know that I was a Blitnikoff voter? Had a feeling you might bring that up. Yeah, well, just throwing that out there. Brendan Armstrong's O-line completely decimated this offseason. Uh, Dracovic has struggled to stay healthy. Van Dyke, great in a small sample, threw for, a, I think, 3,000 yards pretty much or close to it in nine games or so last year. But I need to see more from him. He has a new offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, who comes from Michigan, former Wake Forest player. You might remember Josh Gaddis. Malik Cunningham, that is a legit sleeper and one that you should consider on that list. But Hartman and Leary stands out to be. And the reason I side with Hartman is because I think his supporting cast is a little bit more proven. He has more of it coming back. A.T. Perry, he's college football's Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. Taylor Marin in the slot. You get Donovan Green, who was supposed to be the number one receiver last year. Off-season, season-ending injury. He now comes back. He's going to be a factor. A robust offensive line. Another guy who was injured in the offseason last year. And Javante Nash, he's coming back for another season. Meanwhile, NC State lost Leary's best target in Emeka Amezi. Lost a few running backs in the backfield. Lost Iki Aquanu at left tackle, who's now a Carolina Panther. And plus, it's NC State. <laughs> it's NC State, and there, there's the key. bad things <laughs> tend to happen to NC State. We suck. <laughs> so Sam Hartman, he's going to be my pick for ACC Player of the Year. Your attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Our next guest is big time. Kelly Gramlick from Gramlick and McLean joins us. You can listen to that on Sirius Channel 371. They have the podcast. They have a video element as well. They had Kirk Herbstreet on earlier this week. That was very good, actually. You could listen to that on their podcast, as I already had. Kelly, this is where I want to begin. You had Herbie on. And here's what he had to say when you asked him, you guys asked him, who's the best quarterback in the Atlantic Coast Conference this year? It's between, for me, Leary and Hartman, If it, just okay. as we sit here right now. Um, and I think it has more to do with the, the known commodities of the system, who's calling the plays. You know, with Van Dyke, he's going to have to adjust to a new coaching staff. And and I, he still could have a monster year, but I think as we sit here in the summer, I would I would lean towards Hartman and, and Leary, and I think both those teams have a chance to have great years. Yeah, I don't think there's any league that's more loaded at the position than the ACC is when you consider Armstrong and Leary and Hartman and Malik 
Uh, Cunningham, he referenced uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami, DJ Uwe Ungadolite, Dracovic at BC, uh, Kadan Slovis from Pittsburgh, who transferred from USC. So to start things out, Kelly, uh, I'll ask you the same question you asked Herbie. Who's the quarterback that you look at first when you start talking about who might be an ACC Player of the Year frontrunner? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Josh. And I've I've never been on a I've never done a radio hit where the host played a clip from my own podcast before I came on. That's um, it's big really time. You know how to treat your guests? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well done. Um, when it comes to the quarterbacks in this league, first of all, I think that this league has the best quarterbacks in the country. I, I you I think you said Brennan Armstrong in there as yeah. well. There, there's just so many. There are so many guys that are going to end up being very, very good college quarterbacks. I think the way we have to look at this question is, which guy not only is going to have the best year, but which guy could be that Kenny Pickett where he ends up vaulting himself up and, and taking his game to the next. For me at this point, it's Devin Leary. I think Devin Leary is the most pro-ready of all those guys. With Sam Hartman, as much as I like his game, that Wake system at times uh, can be slowed down, especially when they go when they went up against a team like Clemson last year with that big front four, um, and Clemson's D line is probably going to be even better this year, and Pittsburgh as well. They, against those big D lines, that's where Wake struggled and Hartman struggled a bit too. But Devin Leary only throwing five picks last year. His decision making, I think the chip in his shoulder is really growing too, and that I'm going to prove it. Um, mentality and the fact that he beat Clemson last year. I, that's something Kenny Pickett did, but of course he's no longer in this league. I think you've got to give Devin Leary the nod and they return a lot of guys around him. Of course they lose Ikea Kwanu, And I think that's going to be a huge question mark for them. Um, and they lose a Mecca Mezzi, but they still bring back some talented guys. So I'm going to go, if I had to pick right now, I'm going to go Devin Leary. I'm probably going to go Hartman out of the two, just because mm. we're talking about NC state here after all. And bad things <laughs> always happen to NC State. And you you hit on Icky. It's true. You hit on Icky being a top 10 pick and losing a Mezzi. Uh, a couple of guys that were, I'm not going to say forgotten about, but are certainly going to be remembered when the season gets near are De- uh, Donovan Green and Javante Nash, who a year ago mm. we learned about on the same day from Wake Forest one of the most important uh, offensive linemen Wake Forest had and the best wide receiver Wake Forest had out for the 2021 season on the same day in the summer. Well, they're both back, and they're older, and uh, pretty much everybody on this O-line is returning for Wake, and Donovan Mm -hmm. Green has A.T. Perry on the other side of him and Taylor Morin still in the slot and Christian Turner in the backfield. It does hurt they lose Christian Beal Smith to South Carolina, but – yeah. A, a lot of weapons there, but you really can't go wrong. Kind of like what Herbie said and what you're hitting on. Just a lot of great quarterback talent across the league. Here's, here's what I would counter, Josh. I, and I, I love this debate. I really do think it comes down to Hartman and Leary. I think if you're saying Hunter Van Dyke at this point, you're you're assuming a lot. Um, and if you're saying some other guys, I don't. I think you you don't really realize how good Leary and Hartman are. So I'm with you on that. My counter, and I just have to. I mean, it's way to have one of the best receiving cords in the entire country. Mm-hmm. They're loaded. It's the decision making. And we saw it with Sam Hartman at times. He was better this year. Talk about, and I'm sure you guys can talk about it on your show. He was he was uh, talking about how he was working on his mental health and and moving on from bad decisions. But and that's something that can be taught in sports. But I think Devin Leary's 
decision-making and specifically the way he takes care of the football and doesn't throw as many picks. That's the difference maker for me right now. But I can't argue with those wake wide receivers because they are really good. Kelly Gramlich's with us here. Gramlich and Matt Klain is the show. She's on Twitter at Kelly Gramlich. So last year, we were all hanging out as we do in Charlotte, ACC kickoff. <laughs> and the league, what we try to figure out, as long as we have a Coastal Division, and this might be the last year we have the Coastal Division, is who's going to win it. I think we have a good idea in the Atlantic, Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, you take your flavor of which of those three <laughs> probably it's going to be. But on the Coastal side of things, it seems like it's actually going to be a lot easier for a lot of voters to plop Miami down as the favorite. But I brought this stat up to you, and I remember we sat there in Charlotte last year, just like <laughs> that seven of the last 10 years, the media's gotten it wrong with the Coastal, and now it's 8 of 11. Everybody's going to plop Miami down, just like they plopped North Carolina down. And I was just lucky to get Pittsburgh right a year ago, but who is the, who has the best shot at being this year's Pittsburgh? Okay, Josh, first of all, do not call yourself lucky. Give yourself credit because you have your reasons and you were right. And you were one of the very few people in the world that picked Pittsburgh. So do not be humble, Josh. But anyway, um, when it comes to it's kind of weird because I would say there are more teams in the Atlantic that can actually win that division than there are in the Coastal. I really believe it's Pitt or Miami. I, I, it would be tough to make an argument for any of the other teams. And a lot of it is because you have four new coaches. So you don't really know what to expect. So I think it's going to come down to Pitt and Miami. Play for Pittsburgh. I think I would probably lean Pitt because Keaton Slovis is very talented. And I think he's going to be serviceable. It's just a matter of how good can he be with the weapons that are still there at Pitt. And they still have a very good defense. Um, but I, I really like Mario Cristobal. We just interviewed him on the podcast that will come out but he is such a different kind of guy that Miami has not had in so long. He he loves Miami, but he doesn't care about the glitz and the glamour and the turnover chain in South Beach. He just doesn't. He he, he cares about running the ball. He cares about the trenches. He cares about football. It's so different, and I really do think it's going to work at Miami. So because Jordan Addison left, because I think that system is going to be so different and, and it's going to be something that Miami can win with running the ball 50 50 uh, run and pass and that kind of thing I think I'll lean Miami which I hate doing because I feel like we all do that every year and we're never right so I know what you mean but I think there are some good reasons right uh, this year even though uh their offensive line doesn't look great the schedule mm-hmm. does for Virginia and uh, they have that Brendan Armstrong guy coming back and I just yeah. got married to a Wahoo this past weekend, so I'm going to suck <laughs> up and say that Virginia might be that team. We'll see if I have the guts to pick them when the, we are together the at the ACC kickoff. Worries me. Yeah, that, that Virginia too. defense worries me, and they had such an exodus when Bronco Mendenhall stepped down, and that wasn't really Tony Elliott's fault. It was just guys that didn't sign up to play for Elliott and decided to look elsewhere. I'm a big believer. Is that dude? He's got to stay healthy, and people have to step up. I mean, this guy was carrying that team last year. Last thing, who's the king of sports movies? I watched Hustle uh, with Adam Sandler yesterday. He's got a lot of sports movies. Ooh, Kevin Costner is in that conversation. Dennis Quaid's in that conversation. 
So mm. you, you just let me know who, who's the king. Rich Eisen says it's Costner. I think, I think Sandler might have a word. Costner. So Costner was the other, the first name that popped into my head after you said Sandler. And um, gosh, why am I forgetting the name of the movie with uh, Kevin Garnett in it? That oh, movie Uncut Gems does count as a sports Uncut movie. Gyms, that you. does count. Absolutely. That's it's that's sports counts. gambling oh, it totally and KG's counts. in it for sure. It totally counts because that's another one I thought of. I do have a soft spot. Rookie was one of my favorite movies as a kid. So okay. I do have a soft spot for old Dennis. But I don't know. I mean, I think Costner is probably the OG sports movie king. And then Sandler is, is, is slowly moving up and could overtake him. We'll see. All right. We have that poll up at Josh Graham Radio. You can vote on it. Kelly Gramlich, it's good to hear your voice. Congrats with uh, all the success you're having with the show with Mac. Uh, it is Mac, uh, it's Gramlich and Matt Klain that you can find it on YouTube, and you can find it on podcast. You're always welcome around here in the Dry Kelly. Josh, I appreciate you, my friend. We'll see you in Charlotte, and congratulations again Thank you. on your marriage. Don't know why you're working this week, but I do know you're going on a honeymoon too, so Next I week. hope you enjoy. Next week. That's the plan. Next week. Kelly Gramlich, <laughs> appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks. The moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. This is fun. BDOT joining us now. You know who he is. Six man of Tar Heel basketball. Fresh off the wedding where he was assembling his people. Swaying left to right, getting people going. It was truly impromptu, the fact that swag surfing happened at my wedding. If you were to ask me going into the weekend if that's something that would happen at the Josh Graham, Sarah Bradford McCollum wedding, I'd probably say no, Dot. Probably. Fair. Fair. But, you know, when the music moves you, Josh Graham, and you have no control over it, and we come right out of nut if you buck, mm-hmm. and then swag surfing drops. And I was, I was like, oh man, I should, I should be directing everybody, but I didn't want to, you know, go uh, beyond my position as groomsman and jump up on stage. But when you looked at me with your arm around, I think your brother was on one side, and Sarah Bradford was on the other side, and you stared at me. He said, "Be dot." I, I, I thought it was organized, but you organized, said, organized. Your people. <laughs> Yeah, well, so at I that thought point, I, said, I got on stage and it was a great time, man. It was an awesome, awesome moment. Dot, appreciate you filling in for me on Monday. Dot's also going to be in this chair the next couple of Wednesdays while I'm off on my honeymoon. So that should be a yeah. lot of fun. Dot, yeah. uh, who do you want the Hornets to take tomorrow night? Um, I want us to get uh, uh, Mark Williams. Would you? I, you know, I want us to. Would you want to bet that the Hornets – see, I may, I have a bet with Will Dalton right now that the Hornets are going to take somebody from Duke, whether it's Griffin, whether it's Williams, whether it's Keels or Wendell Moore in the second round. Do you feel good that the Hornets are going to take someone from Duke? No. Heck no. You don't think don't it's going to happen? Anybody, I don't want anybody from Duke. Well, I feel good that they're going to take someone from Duke, but I don't want anybody from Duke except for Mark Williams. Like A.J. Griffin, maybe – but I don't want Trevor Kills. I don't want Wendell Moore. Like, you know, no, 
Like, and 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 this is somebody who you know I'm I'm somewhat a fan of Wendell Moore. You know, I like that guy. He's a friend of mine. So basketball wise, I want the best for him. But just like Garrison, I love Garrison, but I wouldn't necessarily want the Hornets to grab Garrison. That isn't what the Hornets need. The Hornets need a big that can protect the rim, Josh Brown. And that is Mark Williams. They need somebody athletic at that position that don't want to score a lot of points, just want to catch a lot of lobs for Melo. He can do that. Protect that uh, protect that uh, rim, can move his feet on defense, can run the floor. That's what we need, man. And we need another shooter. So that's why I'm not against A.J. Griffin, but I need Mark Williams first. Jeremy Sohan's the guy I want the Hornets to take. Who? Cisco. No, man, no. From Heck no, man. You keep you've said that before, and I've told you no, man. We don't need that guy. That guy is not the real deal. That guy's a guy. You saw how he tried to play all these mental games against us. Love like, it. No, just play straight up. He wanted to play this flopping basketball. And, oh, Mondo's killing me every time he touches me. I'm gonna try to get him to foul Mondo. out. Yeah, nah, man. No, not Cisco. Not that guy whose name I didn't even dedicate to memory. No. You ready to play grammar school, buddy? If you are. Let's do it. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. It is time for grammar school. And Josh, I would like to let you know that Monday when we played grammar school across the pond, I was victorious. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, did very well for myself. Learned where trainers were, and the yeah, the local, and um, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. I learned all of that. You saw I just did that WD. Do you remember what those words meant? Can you like use it in a sentence? Absolutely, man. Um, at this point, I don't have any trainers on. My, all my trainers are in the house, but I do have some Crocs on. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I don't see myself going to the local anytime soon. I'm just going to be in the house. We're doing a lot of moving. and uh, But we might go to the local on tomorrow to check out the NBA draft. There's that. And um, uh, Carolina Tar Heels, after seeing them yesterday, national championship run, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about I'm going to ask you about that run at the end of this. So B dot okay. had a chance to see uh guys like Kobe White and Theo Pinson and others competing with this year's Tar Heels. So he'll tell us how that went at the end of the conversation. But it's time for grammar school. Do you want me to give you a caucastic word to start things out? Of course, this is season two of Grammar School, and you always kick it off with a word of carcastic persuasion. Name one of the two leading actors in the movie The Notebook. Just give me my buzzer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've never even seen The Notebook. You don't think Carla would like it? I don't know. I've never seen it. It's one of those love story type. Of, Carla likes Carla likes movies where they like like army movies, like uh, uh when they go and they have to and save people and and, and use bombs and helicopters and that's kind of stuff she likes. Understood. Uh, the Notebook's not like that, but Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams Rachel McAdams were the two leads in that movie. 
Ryan Gosling, I could have gotten that one. I probably recognize that face. But the other person, not a chance. Like, Carla likes movies like Saving Private Ryan. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, if you want to know who Ryan Gosling is, though, he was a liability on defense and remember the Titans as a corner. They had to take him out of the game. He was a liability. Just He was a liability out there just getting toasted. I remember, buddy. All right. Okay, what is yeah. the what's the first one we have here? First one for you, Josh Graham. What is a throwaway? Throwaway. I appreciate you teaching my Aunt Tina, among others, all these words that you taught me during the rehearsal dinner, by the way. Mm. Aunt Tina was the absolute coolest, and, and, and Uncle Tony, like, they were super cool at our table. But Aunt Tina, man, she just gets it, bro. Like, she's just ten toes down, man. Like, she just really gets it, and I respect that. Throw away. Throw okay. away, Josh Graham. What is a throw away? 336-777-1600. Might need some yeah, help already. on that. <clears throat> I've also got family in the studio as well who were also Ooh. at the wedding. My dad... Chris, Scott. his wife, April, their son, Mason, they're all hanging out in here. So I, I got people that I could use as a lifeline. So if you guys know any of these, give me a thumbs up. I might go to you. Throwaway. A throwaway. Okay. I, I'm going to say a throwaway is like something that is kind of off the cuff. It's something that you just kind of, it, it came off the top of your head like a throwaway joke or something that's kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word sporadic, but a little bit, uh, yeah, off the cuff's probably the best way to put it. That's what I think a throwaway is. It's, it's an adjective. That's your final answer. Is it, actually, let me ask you this is it an adjective or is it a noun? It's very interesting because it could be used either way, Josh Brown. A throwaway could be an adjective. It could be describing something, or it could just be a throwaway, which is the noun version. Okay. Kind of then I will say a throwaway is something that you just came up with on the top of your head. Yeah. That you just came up with that was off the cuff. Right. Right. And that's your final answer? Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah, a throwaway is like something that you're never going to use again. Most norm normally used with like a gun, like a throwaway gun. They usually scratch the serial numbers off and they use it. I'm sure Scott has seen some throwaways. You get the serial numbers all scratched off and carrying on. He's probably retrieved yeah, some of those. Turn his mic on. You've seen something like that before, Dan? Yeah. I didn't know if it was right or not, but my first thought, it was something about in the, in the commit committing of a crime, you throw away yeah. a gun or a knife and it's a throwaway. Yeah. Yep. Right, That's why it could that. be an adjective, a throwaway gun or a throwaway knife. Or you can just say, yo, give me my throwaway. Shoot the throwaway, throw it in the pond, and get, get out of there. Thanks for that contribution, Dad. Uh, what's number two? Number two is fold. Josh Graham. Fold. F-O-L-D. Fold. What does it mean to fold? You know who Ben Folds is, right? Who's Ben Folds? He's from Winston-Salem. Great musician. Sarah Bradford and I, our first dance song was a Ben Fold song. Check that out. Yeah. Check that out. Fold. Fold. I'm going to try not to overthink this because I think I might have overthrown, huh, overthought, throw away. Fold 
Can fold be used in a sports context? Um, yes, it could be used in a sports context, but not to the same um, description as in um, grammar school. Are we using the noun version of fold or the verb version? Like, are we talking about a fold or the no. folding of something? Yes, someone, someone folding. Folded. That person folded. Don't you fold. Has anybody got a thumbs up at all? I think April does. Chris's wife. April. Okay, step to the microphone here. See if you can here help we go, me. April. I Hold need help. Down. I April. need help. What do we got, April? What did they give up? Okay, I'm going to use that. I'm going to say it's to give up. You fold. Oh, meaning to give up. Is that your final answer? Yes. Answer? Yes. That's incorrect. No! Sorry, April. <laughs> fold means to switch sides, man. Don't you ever fold. And fold is a direct oh. play off of 10 toes down. Okay? You always stay 10 toes down. You never fold. You understand? That's understand. how that phrase would go. <laughs> I understand. I'll never flip sides, B-Dot. No. You can't. Never fold, my boy. That's it. Never fold. Always stay 10 toes down. Do you understand? I'm staying 10 toes down with you, B-Dot. You just you know that. Gotta stay 10 toes down know with that. you, Believe that. Last one. Okay, I'm not Last going one. over three. I'm not. Josh, what's a fupa? <laughs> <laughs> a fupa. F-U-P-A-H? Just F-U-P-A. Fupa. And it's not an acronym. It is an acronym. Oh. I can't but say one of the words in the acronym, I bet. No, you cannot say one of the words. Good job, John. Can I Graham, say, I, I can't say two of the words in the acronym? No, you can say, you can say three. You, there's one word that you can't say. Is it the first one? <laughs> no, it's the third oh, one, Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 I wish I was in the studio to see <laughs> Why do you do this? Oh God. I Even think... WD started red. This is great. Boopa. Uh, <laughs> oh, the tears in my eyes right now. Uh, Chris, <laughs> my cousin Chris knows this one, but I don't. Does um, Chris know it? Can, can I have the lifeline? I've already lost the game. Yes, you All right. the lifeline. I'll Turn the microphone around. Chris, go. I believe it is the fat upper area on somebody. Okay, got you. <laughs> <laughs> the fat <laughs> upper area of somebody is what we're going to say here. Be a pro. <laughs> Be a pro. Professional Josh Brown. I've turned burgundy. Yes, the best way to say it is the fat upper privacy area, Josh Graham, but that is correct. <laughs> yeah! That is correct. That is good Woo! job, Chris. That's been grammar school. Also, um, it's the muffin top. You can call it the muffin top. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. That's what I was thinking. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that fat that's right under the navel, but above the whoopee. <laughs> Dot, tell me. What was the highlight yesterday, seeing the NBA guys go up against the heels? 
man, it was cool. I don't want to um mislead anybody. So Kobe White was not there. Cole Anthony was not there. But Theo was there. And, and, and Justin Jackson still got it. Marcus Page still got it. Tyler Hansburg was out there. He didn't play. I saw Dexter Strickland. Dexter Strickland hadn't been home in eight years, man. Eight years. So it was great seeing him. Um, Joel James was there. I was impressed. Carolina family, I would just like to let y'all know. Yes, we have the guys coming back with Caleb and RJ and, and Mondo and, and Leaky. And, but but I, I got a chance to see Nance yesterday. Nance is huge. He's huge, guys. Like, I'm talking about, like, he stands up and he, 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 he disappears into the clouds and so called. He didn't play, but just seeing him out there. And then you got to think about uh, uh, Jalen Washington. Jalen Washington is huge. But who I was impressed with, Tyler Nichols. Tyler Nichols is that guy, guys. Like, he's 6'8". He shoots like he like you got to guard him when he gets off the bus in the parking lot. He's, I'm talking, he's a dog out there. When him and Steph Trimble came into the game yesterday, that's when the game started to turn a little bit towards the advantage of the current squad. I'm telling you, that Seth and Tyler Nickel and, and Jalen Washington, when those three get it, come March, oh my gosh, it's going to be so great, 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 great. Now, you asked me for my highlight. The highlight was I'm walking and talking to people, and Coach Roy Williams comes up to me. And Coach Williams, of course, gaps me up, we embrace, and he says, you know what, B-Dot? I didn't know what to expect the first couple of games. You know, I didn't know how to take you with all of this. And it was, to me, it was just loud. It was just loud, loud. But as the season progressed, I started to listen more. And you are amazing at what you do. Don't oh, wow. you ever stop doing what you're doing. That was my highlight of all the great things I did. My son was there shooting basketball with Seth Strumble. They were the greatest parents with the kids going crazy. Yeah! I got to see all my favorite players, but nothing topped Coach Roy Williams just telling me that he enjoys what I do in the Smith Center, and we all can't wait for next season. You got him Go to swag you. surf, man. Yeah. 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 I got Coach to swag surf, man. It's a pretty big deal. You did that. And it doesn't surprise me because we were down in New Orleans together when we were in the team hotel and Roy's making a beeline to get out of there because if he stops for one person, he's got to stop for everybody probably. But he sees yeah. you, walks up to you and says, don't you ever take that hat off, son. <laughs> and I didn't take it off for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. It's, how come they, you would think they'd start selling that hat again, but they, they still haven't done that. You would think that, right, Don? Yeah, I hope they don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I want to sell the hats. That's what I'm going to do. Let me sell the hats. Six-man hats coming soon. Six, 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 uh, I, I think I'll see you next Monday at the NSMA. Absolutely. That's going to be fun. already paid for my ticket. I will be there. I cannot wait. You've been bigging this event up for a year. I cannot mm -hmm. wait to see it. It's going to be some great people there. With be sitting at the same table josh graham and um it's gonna be fun i'm excited yeah you'll get to i'm actually obviously like the big names like svp and barkley and all them uh interacting with them's big but i, I want to meet uh taylor and sydney scott i want to meet uh stewart's kids um yes. that that'll be cool when they give the speech honoring their dad and svp introducing them a lot of people don't remember that 
Stu, they know that Stu's a Tar Heel guy, but they don't remember he's from Greensboro. People forget that. Winston. He's a Winston guy? Yeah, he's, uh, um, Stu's from Winston, I thought. Oh, well. Well, I know the 336. He is a and 336 HD, guy. HD is from Winston, too? Patterson, Patterson, uh, uh, Patterson Street, downtown Winston. His mom's first job was at the Wachovia building, downtown Winston. I'm telling you, man, greatness comes from Winston-Salem. I say it all the time. Like, I was a great person when I left Greensboro and went to Winston-Salem State. But Winston-Salem created dot. Like, that city just makes greatness. I, I love the city of Winston-Salem, and I will always love the trade for sure. Right. So that's dope. I, mean, I can't wait for this event Monday, though. Now, wait, Josh. This event, I know I have to dress up. So I'm not going to have to go by belt, and I'm not going to come in a six-man T-shirt and sweatpants, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. Um, love you, bro. And you're right. Going back to great things that happened out of Winston. Met uh, Sarah Bradford in Winston-Salem. Mm, see? Should be noted. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Winston-Salem, close to our heart. Dot, I'll see you next week. I hey, see you, man. Love you. Be good. W-D-A. Later, guys. B-Dot, joining us as he does each week.